This is The Bottom Line, a show designed to help Australian businesses succeed. On the show, you'll hear from leading Australian business owners as they share the lessons they've learned building their companies. You'll learn from their successes, as well as some of the challenges they faced along the way. We also talk to experts from a range of fields who share specialised techniques you can use to improve your business. I'm your host, Savan Chuna, and I'm a director at Alexander Spencer, and I'm really passionate about helping Australian businesses succeed. Social media is no longer an option, it's a necessity. In today's episode, we have Camille Moore discuss marketing strategy through the lens of social media. Camille is the founder and CEO of Third Eye Insights. Camille sheds light on what social media marketing actually is and its role in today's digital landscape. You'll discover how a business can leverage social media marketing effectively, learn about the challenges some businesses face in their branding efforts, and Camille provides insights on how they can overcome them. And to top it all off, Camille shares her top three tips when expanding your reach to a wider audience. Let's jump in. Hi, Camille. Thank you so much for joining me on The Bottom Line today. Thanks for having me. Now, you've got a bit of an accent there. So tell us a little bit about yourself. You're obviously not in Melbourne, Australia. I'm not. I was going to make a cheeky joke that you have an accent. I don't have an accent, (laughs) but I'm from Toronto, Canada. I'm from the Commonwealth, further to the motherland, and um, 7 p.m. tonight. It's interesting. Um, We've just started your day. You're about to get into your evening. But tell us a little bit about your background. And um, you are the CEO of Third Eye Insights. So tell us about you, yourself, your sort of professional journey and your business, Third Eye Insights. It's a bit of a funny story and a bit long-winded. So I'll give the Spark Notes version. I started this journey a while back. I started Third Eye Insights in my undergrad. Initially, I wanted to be a lawyer. Like many struggling students, I knew I wanted to be successful, but I didn't know what the path to success kind of looked like. And a designation like being a lawyer seemed easy enough. I grew up from humble beginnings and I didn't have parents that were going to fund post-secondary university. So I got myself an internship and I worked at a law firm and I realized very quickly that I hated the law. Um, And I was much better at marketing. I had happened to be taking a computer science course. This was about 10 years ago before Facebook marketing is what it is today. And I started kind of creating these little graphic design pieces and we started posting them on Facebook. We were were advertising. Little did I know I was advertising a law firm on Facebook back then and it did really well. The phones were ringing off the hook and the owner of this law firm was like, shit, Camille, I think you might be onto something. He basically helped me incorporate the business and it was great side money for a young student. It was way better than waitressing. And that was kind of the inception of Third Eye Insights. I started in the professional services. So I think today's call will be really helpful because I know how to market successfully for service-based businesses. It wasn't really until my agency took off and I started doing quite well online that I was introduced to some of the biggest brands in the world. Again, from being from humble beginnings, the idea of working with some of the biggest fashion brands in the world was just something I could only, only imagine and dream of. But my passion is in the services. I love working with human beings. Third Eye Insights is um, we're a branding and strategy agency that is really just focused on winning. I think marketing has lost the plot. We're overcomplicating 
what should be simple, what should be really fundamentally easy to humans. Like we're storytellers, we're overcomplicating the story, we're bringing politics and social justice issues into campaigns where it's just not necessary and it's not moving the needle. And this message is doing really well online. So Third Eye Insights today is an international agency and I cannot believe the growth that we've seen and the people that I'm able to have conversations with. It's been absolutely amazing. Fantastic. And in simple terms, let's get sort of deep into it. We have clients that are young. We have listeners that are mature. And some have actually a lot of experience. I was really surprised by a client we interviewed, how much he knew about social media. So age is not deterrent at all. But in simple terms, for those that haven't really dabbled into what social media marketing is and what it means, can you sort of give us in simple terms what it's all about? What it's all about is connection, right? So social media is an outlet for where we provide a lot of attention and it's, it's kind of the modern day TV. You know, instead of winding down in front of your TV screen, throughout all of the generations, we turn to our phone and we kind of mindlessly scroll and generations and different kind of, I would say, personality types tend to flock to different platforms. So social media is more of a generalized term for time spent on online channels that you can access through your phone. There's a lot of confusion. There isn't a one size fits all approach when it comes to marketing on social media. And I think that that's not only where a lot of individuals can get overwhelmed and confused, but can also be taken advantage of by agencies. So I think it's probably worth digging into it, maybe more specifics, but more kind of generally, social media is really where we buy in 2023. And it's worth understanding and navigating and understanding the difference of the platforms, because it really is the difference between surviving the next decade or not. And this sort of goes into my next question, because I was going to ask you, as you said, social media is where we buy. Has the days of Googling something gone? And how has the landscape of social media marketing evolved over the years to where we're at today? It's an answer that's evolving. What's interesting to your question is that Google has lost its throne. So it no longer has the superiority that it used to have or the monopoly on search. Um, There's more users daily on TikTok than there are on Google. So more searches in quotations, because the word search has also broadened, is happening elsewhere off of Google. It's tough to answer that question because that's also where marketing can get you is that there isn't, again, one size fits all answer. So social media is becoming where more and more people search. Like, for example, TikTok is a fantastic search engine because where Google is limited is it's not extremely visual. It's really text heavy. And when I say visual, it doesn't provide like videos or imagery in the same way. It's very kind of top down text. And we know that those top positions are for purchase. So you've also kind of lost that trust in what the search engine is providing you. Whereas TikTok, and this is not a young person thing, this is again, more daily users than Google. It's not for children, it's an everyone app. You can so much easier get an answer to your question. Like think of the questions that you would ask Google and depending on who's listening to this, right? If you're a very niche industry that people aren't searching for in your local area, so you're a brick and mortar accountant and you've got, or you're a lawyer and you work in, you know, a small suburb within Australia, being on TikTok isn't going to surpass your Google searchability. But if you are a local restaurant that's trying to stand out, I'd be more focused on TikTok than on Google because a lot of generations would be searching on TikTok to find a restaurant. 
So it depends what your business is. And if your business is more visual, it completely has lost its throne. Yeah, I agree with that. It's funny. I love to cook. And I used to go to Google for recipes and stuff like that. And and you'd get some videos here and there. But you just want, I don't want to see someone cooking for half an hour. I want to go into it, right? I just want a quick snippet. And TikTok is so good for it. Actually, I'll tell the story. My daughter and I were home. I've got an 11-year-old. And uh, we had leftover mashed potatoes. And I said, oh, do you want to do some croquettes or potato croquettes? And I'd never made them before. So I got her out, got my phone out. And instantly I went to TikTok and I put in croquettes. There were hundreds and hundreds of videos. They go for no more than two minutes. And it's straight to the point punchy. And we made the most amazing croquettes. She's like obsessed with them now. And it was good fun. And it just simplifies it. You get real people. It's better. And I've been doing it a lot for food. But then, because being an accountant, you see the content and there's some, so many clever ways with video and technology and green screens and that, how you can actually, you're like a presenter, you're presenting to the world about your subject matter. And it's amazing. There's another guy that I follow. He kind of gives his opinion on a stock to buy, but he follows the exact same process for each one. And obviously it's not advice, advice, but it's so cool and I love it. And it's amazing how quickly things evolve. So in saying that, what are the key trends you've observed? That trend that you've talked about with Google losing its throne, is that, is that the start? And what, what are the trends going towards? And are, where are businesses going to get left behind if they don't follow these trends at one point? Unfortunately, the answer is going to be overwhelming because there's a lot that's happening in different areas. And that's where it's difficult to provide a one size fits all answer. Google still matters. And the kind of the asterisk of Google losing its throne is like Google is still one of the big four. So I'm interested in in understanding what they're kind of doing to arm themselves so that they don't lose that position, like even though it's slipping. And Google owns YouTube. YouTube has introduced YouTube shorts, which really are not as good. And I can only suspect that the search kind of interface is going to change because TikToks is just so great and they hadn't changed for so long. But to answer your question, like, it's difficult because again, like a restaurant, their strategy should be very different. Like I would invest almost wholly in just creating content on social media and then have like a a website, but then paying for open table to be a priority on an app like open table is worth way more in your dollars than for you to be paying for SEO or Google AdWords, right? But if you're If you're a law firm, you know, reviews matter because people also type in like best personal injury lawyer. Like they're asking a subjective question to a search engine and the search engine is trying to be an arbiter of relevance and can only provide you the best by utilizing people's reviews. So SEO does matter for a law firm, or at least it does matter for the next few years. So for where it's going, it's really difficult to kind of blanket statement. But what I can say is, People are interested in organic value-based content, and that is the number one place to invest your time and energy. And I call it valuetainment. There's so much noise on the internet. There's ads or people or things trying to take your attention. In order to stand out as a business, you have to give away information. It's never been easier to access information. It's never like there's just no shortage of if you're not going to educate me, 
that somebody else is going to. And that's why this podcast is so intelligent because it's a means of providing value attainment. So what I will say is if you're like, I don't know where to go, I don't know how to approach this, what can I do? It's an investing in a personal brand. So as the business owner, investing in showing why you're the best person for the job. If you're in the service-based industries, all of your websites tend to look the same. And the onus is on the customer to try to navigate who the best person is for the job. And if your website looks the same as everyone else's and it's stock photography and you're not putting yourself out there, you're not going to win. And I talk about this a lot because the people that are the best at what they do, are they worst at marketing themselves? So I would say, take a deep breath. You got to create some content. You're not too good for it. It's not going to end your life. Anything is going to make your business better. Everyone struggles with it in the beginning. Invest in value-based content. Invest in a personal brand. Invest in marketing your differences. And that's how you will win. That bit there is going to go on socials all over Australia, by the way, Camille, just perfectly said. You've obviously built your company. You mentioned you've grown so fast. Tell us a story of you helping a client. Obviously, you're in the business of supporting clients. And, you know, we can get our iPhones out and make video content ourselves. And it's not hard to do it yourself. But you're in the business of supporting businesses in social media and branding. Tell us a story of a business that has successfully used social media marketing and it's leveraged its online presence where you've been involved and the client's gone, Camille, you've changed my life. Oh my God. I mean, every single client I work with, like that's because if you could do it yourself and you were like comfortable doing it, that's not when you, you know, you kind of like, I'm, I'm kind of the kick in the pants girl, but I mean, I can even give you one today. I think this is a perfect one because the clients that I love to work with the most are the ones that where I can tell like, this is a real challenge for them, like for their ego, for where they are in life. I work with this neurosurgeon who is world-class. He went to Yale, he worked for NASA, he went to MIT. He is literally the smartest person I've ever met. And he's 71 years old. And uh, he still is a practicing neurosurgeon. You would never know that he's 71. And he is someone that I shoot TikToks with. And he is fantastic. I love working with the seven-year-old clients because they're the ones that are the most nervous going into it. They do not understand it at all. Like even just trying to like explain like the social nuances, like the cultural nuances, like it is, he was born and we did the math day, like 1952, I think. And it's, He's on TikTok and he's killing it. He's doing such a great job. It's absolutely transformed his practice. What he he can't even talk about it without crying because TikTok changed his approach to business because the customers or patients rather in his in his industry that find him are his perfect match because they've resonated with his message. He understands that now that his surgical consult happens and he's in the States, so it's different than the Canadian medical system. It's surgery for, for pay. But these clients are basically doing the full consult online. He's not needing to do these two or three hour meetings to convince them into elective surgery. They are showing up. They think he is a god. They know everything about his method and his approach. And his relationship with his patients have never been better because there isn't that space for like potential difficult person, right? Where before social media, before being able to put yourself out there, there was a lot of randomness, whether it was word of mouth referral, whether it's the person drove by or they just happened to see your ad and you don't know if they're actually a good like human fit. 
by producing content online, the clients that I end up signing through TikTok, like they've watched 20 of my videos. Like they know me as an individual because of those cues you can't pick up on. Like the way my eyes track, the, my tone, my, like my cadence, my tenor, my body language. Like I hear this every day today, somebody from the States TikTok that I saw one video and I knew you're my person. So he's a perfect example of someone that in all areas, you would have never expected it. And he is an absolute TikTok star. And I don't think he's ever been happier. Like he literally feels like a rock star. I want to go into storytelling, Camille, because storytelling is starting to come about as a sort of a, I wouldn't say a buzzword, but, you know, I'm starting to see it on other podcasts and content. And it's all about storytelling and how you tell stories is really critical in how you then pass on a message. Tell us about what that means. What does storytelling mean? And what is that skill? Hannah, this is the video that first did really well and said, marketing is storytelling. And it's so crazy to me that this is like a mind blowing concept. And I think that that's one, why I love what I do and I love talking about it, but it's also just such a great reminder of why we need to go back to simple. I think with how complicated the platforms are, whether it's the access to what does well, the algorithms are changing. It feels like new platforms are showing up every day while you're trying to run your business and do what you do best. It feels like it's never been more complicated. And because of, I think that complication we are just complicating marketing, but at its core, all good marketing is a storytelling. Like humans are natural storytellers. And we've been doing that since we developed the use of language. And it actually makes me laugh because when I watch like time pieces, like I've been watching recently, like Rome on HBO and there's the town like crier that announces it. And he's like on the soapbox and like the local bakeries actually paid for ads. And he was like, like whatever brand of bread, like the bread the Romans eat, the only bread that you should try, try blah. And I'm like, that is storytelling in its simplest. Like, why are we overcomplicating it with politics and social justice issues? Like, we understand how to sell at our core. When I talk about storytelling, the reason why I'm kind of bringing this back into marketing and why it's probably a buzzword is we've just gotten so distracted by websites and landing pages and Instagram and TikTok and YouTube and this and that and Reddit. And at its core, like I'm just looking for a solution. I'm, I have a problem and I'm looking for someone to solve it in the service industries. And I'll talk about a hero brand also, but when you're in the service industry, especially for what you do, like I have an issue, I've got corporate year end, or I need to get my finances sorted out. I've got a problem. My pain points are what I'm dealing with is I want someone that's going to be trustworthy, that's going to allow me to keep the most amount of money, to save the most on taxes, and to ensure that it's like a, I've got my business in the hands of someone that understands something that I don't. And that at its core is our relationship. So in order for you to satisfy my need and for me to select you over the thousands of others of accountants that exist in Australia, you need to show me a story because that's what I'm going to remember. And that's what I'm going to connect to. And when I go through this process in marketing, so many people aren't marketing their story. Like today I had a call with this fantastic human being whose parents came to the States from Guatemala. Her mom worked at McDonald's for 16 years. Her dad cut grass. They saved up every single dollar they had. And at eight years old, they bought a landscaping business. And the 12 year old was doing the accounting. The 13 year old was doing the manual labor. And this family has grown this business. They now own three of the biggest landscaping companies in Florida, and they are, are multimillionaires. And I'm like, where is this story on your website? 
And they're like, between, she goes, the only people I've told this story to other than you is the admissions person when I got into university. I even sped through that story. Like, your mother worked at McDonald's. Your dad was cutting grass. And you've built a multi-million dollar empire of just being hardworking, good people that care. And this isn't on your website. So I think when you ask the question of storytelling, when you think about it, if there's seven different property management companies or landscaping companies, and one of them has that story, and the rest of them look like regular landscaping companies, which one are you choosing? You're choosing the one with the story. Like, that's how we buy. That's like, even me telling you this shows the power of storytelling because I meet with clients all day, every day, and this one is worth telling. So stories matter, but also nobody thinks their story is good enough. And the reason why that's a great thing is that because of that, nobody leans into it. So your story does matter. Your story is unique and your story is yours. And if you're asking me to hire you, the only way I'm going to hire you is if you give me your story. So give me your story. (laughs) I love it. And does it have to be personal? So when you storytell, if you're talking about selling your value in terms of solutions or products or services that you sell, is it about bringing in storytelling that makes that service real, maybe giving examples of products or services you've sold or you're using real life examples? Or is it about getting to know the people behind the company and their story and the connection with the human? So is it a bit of both or do you need to know who I am as a partner in an accountancy firm and my personal story? Or do you want to see that as well as lots of storytelling in the solutions that you're looking for and the value and the education we give you across the social media platforms? I can't give a perfect answer because it really depends on the person and depends on the business. There's lots of businesses where honestly, the person's story isn't the driver, right? It's the business's story. And that's where either you got to use your gut or you got to use an expert because especially like faceless corporations, they don't need to have a story. They need to have a brand. And I'm trying to differentiate of like, if you are a sole practitioner or you've got a small business of a few employees, your story is going to be what sets you apart. When you start to become a business of whatever number it is, but it's big enough where it's not really about you, that's where the business can have a story. Unless the founder story is so incredible, like Sam Walton of Walmart is a really great founder story. And we talk about it. The McDonald's story we talk about, we don't talk about the Arby story. We don't talk about the Burger King story, but like Burger King has a strong brand. So I can give you examples of anything and it really depends on your business and your situation. And I'm not telling you that you have to lean into your story if there's another strategic angle or way that would make the most sense. But in that instance, at its core, we're still storytelling. And I talk a lot about micro scripts. It's like a tagline. It's things like bounties, the quicker picker upper. Buckley's, it tastes awful, but it works. Nike, just do it. Like to call it a sentence is limiting. Like there's so much meaning packed into it and it tells you so much about the brand. And that's also storytelling because when you hear it tastes awful, but it works, like that's a story and a message that sticks. So what I'm trying to convey is providing meaning through messaging in a concise way is the best way to make your business stand out. 
Camille, obviously when social media first started, Facebook was probably the one that got it off the ground. I I'm, I'm, hope I'm right. I'm not a marketing expert. But it was very much still images, photos, photos of yourself, photos with your family. And it evolved to where we are now, which is very video content heavy and hence to us talking about the Google and comparing Google to that. Where have we come to with video and if you're going to dabble into social media, I'm assuming you've got to be brave enough to get in front of the camera but I feel like what's next? Obviously, video is so powerful and it's the thing you've got to do. So the question is, are we at, if you think of social media, you've got to add video to it and you need to just grasp that idea that they go hand in hand and or are we at the end? What would the next thing be in terms of where we're going towards all of this? I don't think we're done with video, that it's like we're evolving away from it. I think the reason why video has done so well and platforms like TikTok have taken off so quickly is because of how anti-familiar and anti-human like still graphics and photos are. We live in a three-dimensional world. Like we're used to making decisions and analyzing based off of things like, you know, eye movement and those like those nonverbal behavioral cues, like so much of our language or our understanding of each other's dynamics and relationships is based off of nonverbal communication. So I think video is here to stay. I don't know what would be next. Like maybe it's virtual reality, maybe it's hologram, but it's it's not going to go back to photo. Like you can't trust photo. And that, that's what's happened for so long, especially less of kind of the male world that's listening to this, but more of the female. We just saw for so long celebrities that were over editing photos and just especially females like extremely posed and they're just it wasn't real. You couldn't see the imperfections. You couldn't see really the person. Like it was really a a posed fake photo and that didn't work. So why TikTok took off and what you can see is it's just, there's a rawness, there's a humanness, there's a true connection to it. So that's why video is so powerful and why it is so important for you to, to take on. And I talk about this, like flat graphics that are really ads veiled as social media content do not work. And you'll see a lot of agencies that will comply or will push like flat graphic content. It's because it's easy. It's because it's cheap to produce. You can outsource it in the third world. And for all of those reasons, it doesn't work. So you can't outsource your marketing for other people to do it. You have to be involved. You have to be leading the charge. You're an expert. You're the best at what you do. I'm not the best at what you do. So you have to be contributing to the marketing and graphics don't do that. But I will say as kind of my only asterisk to that is your followers do want to see real content. And that's what a lot of professional service providers miss is if you're doing a lot of video content, which you should be, it's also great to see you post the photo of when you won a big case or, you know, the office throwing, you know, a birthday or like a holiday party, or if you're doing a baby shower for the team, like you're not going to have fans if you're a law firm or you're an accounting firm, like these are your clients. These are your staff. Like these are people that actually know you. And if they're following you, they actually want to know what's going on. So in between the content that markets, you can put photos that are real. They just, they shouldn't be stock. They shouldn't be fake graphics. Like it should be real. We talked about TikTok a lot and you obviously provide a lot of services to professional companies or professional service providers. Can you give us your opinion on LinkedIn and how the LinkedIn channel is a tool that can utilize social media 
you know, is LinkedIn social media even? Like tell us about LinkedIn and your experiences with LinkedIn and sort of that LinkedIn world and how that plays into social media. I actually don't have great things to say about LinkedIn, to be honest. Okay, that's interesting. I think that a lot of businesses are being taken for a bit of a ride when it comes to like how agencies are pitching LinkedIn. LinkedIn is like if if all the social media platforms are kind of like leveled out equal, LinkedIn is not the same. It's the algorithm is not designed to market. It's designed to get jobs. So the way the actual algorithm like prioritizes and pushes content is very difficult, not only to monetize, but to really get an ROI. It's really insular and it's a vacuum. So good things to know about LinkedIn is the algorithm is completely focused on pushing job applications and getting people to hire and to find employees through the platform. They don't allow you to boost posts. Advertising is very different than on the other platforms. And even the way that like the algorithm works. So the way that it pushes feed, it's it basically, as long as someone is liking or commenting your content, it will forever exist on all of your feeds. So if you were to comment on one of my videos, my video now goes on your feed to all of your followers. And as long as that is perpetually happening, that post stays relevant. But it's harder to hijack the system. So for example, if I post a video on Instagram today and it doesn't do that well, I can boost it and I can boost it to a new audience. But if you're not liking or commenting on my content, it doesn't get that viral loop feature. And the reason why that sucks is there's not a lot of people that are commenting on LinkedIn. There's not a lot of people that are like liking on LinkedIn. They kind of lurk on LinkedIn. It kind of fits into a different box. The way that I kind of articulate LinkedIn is it's a great way to kind of work your network. So uh, a lot of people miss marketing or like to who they already know. And there's so much money and value in like the people that already know you. So it's a great way to stay top of mind. So, you know, for all people you knew in university and all the people you've met professionally, if you start a new business, like it's a great way to start getting the word out there. But as far as like marketing is concerned, you're not going to see what you're looking to find that you could get on TikTok or Instagram, if that makes sense. My last question is around TikTok. Now, you've got amazing videos with thousands and thousands of likes and views. Obviously, that grew over time, but sometimes I just go out of control nuts. I haven't yet put my first video on TikTok. What's your tip for me to get thousands and thousands of views? What's your little secret sauce on that, Camille? Okay, well, tip number one, has to be good. Has to be engaging, has to be controversial. You have to provide information until the end that makes me want to watch. So that's number one. Number two is you have to post consistently constantly and provide value. So basically the way that any of the algorithms work outside of LinkedIn is it's kind of two prongs. So the first is your first few videos aren't going to do well because the algorithm doesn't know how to sort your content. TikTok is algorithm is like the scariest and that's why it's done so well. So after you spend like 30 minutes or an hour and it basically does like it tracks what through rapid eye movement, like which one you're the most engaged with. So right away within 30 minutes, you'll start seeing a different feed than I'll start seeing. And when you start posting content to TikTok, it doesn't know who's interested in your content versus my content. So you're not going to see that kind of that, those big numbers right away. But what's going to happen is once you start creating more content 
and it's valuable, that's when you start to see kind of the numbers go up. So what's interesting is all of the platforms won't start pushing you. So you won't start getting those like million or like 100,000 views until you have a bunch of videos because we're in an attention economy. So what the app wants to do is if you land on my content, they don't want you to close the app. And if I only had three videos, you're going to close the app. But if I have 40 videos, they're going to push my content because once you get on one of my videos, then you're going to start watching all of them. And that's kind of the being good content, it being to the point quick, like in the first five seconds, you have to have a hook. And if you're not keeping people's attention for five seconds, the video dies. So what I've noticed in my own content, which is the most interesting because it's the easiest to analyze your own than anyone else's, I will notice in the first hour if that video is going to go viral because of the way that the view count is climbing. So for the first 30 minutes, it's stagnant. I know it's not going to do that well. But if I start hitting like higher numbers, like seven or 10,000 within the first hour, that's when I know that that video is going to go viral. And I'm able to, I'm able to kind of figure out within that first small window. The other thing that's interesting is I've heard this from people at the top of all the platforms, but what I'm hearing from my clients that come in, they're like, I went into a black hole. I watched two hours of your content. I feel like I know you as a human being. So it's a long game, but it's worth it. I find it takes about eight to 10 months to like really start to like make money off of TikTok, like generating clients and business. But those eight months are so worth your time because not only are you going to become way better on camera and become a better creator, but you're investing in the future of your business. Because the other thing that's really interesting is the people that are reaching out to me or like are like, I need to work with you that moment has to happen. So they have to connect in pattern with you before they need you. That's the other big piece is people will watch my content for months and their product isn't ready for marketing. It's not ready for branding. So when you're investing in those that eight months of creating content, you're investing in a ton of business that's to come because it's not right away that the accident or the divorce happens and they need surgery. Like they need to go through that education and learning and they need to trust you And building that trust takes time. Thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate you taking the time in your evening. I learned so much about TikTok, social media, the videos. I am so grateful for you to coming on today on The Bottom Line. I have never been to Canada. I'd love to go. My wife wants to to go there and ski. So maybe one day we might need to come and say hello. Thank you again. And I wish you a great evening. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so fun. This is The Bottom Line, a show designed to help Australian businesses succeed. This podcast was produced by accountancy firm Alexander Spencer. At Alexander Spencer, we've been helping business owners realise their goals since 1952. And we play a pivotal role in developing, implementing and supervising the business goals and strategies of our clients. To find out how we can help your business succeed, head to our website, alexanderspencer.com.au. To make sure you don't miss an episode of The Bottom Line, be sure to subscribe to or follow the show in your podcast app. And while you're there, leave us a five-star review. It really helps others find the show. I'm Savan Tuna, and we'll be back next episode with more tips to help you transform your business. And that's The Bottom Line.